Hello, hello, this is Postgres FM episode number 60. My name is Nikolai, and together with me today is Michael, as usual. Hi, Michael. Hello, Nikolai. And we are going to talk about what? Serverless or separation of storage from compute, or how do you name it? Well, we had a, I think we had a really good request, and they used the wording decouples compute from storage. So maybe, even though I do like the short titles for the, uh, for the images for this podcast, uh, I think that probably is more accurate to what we want to talk about. Not serverless. I mean, I think serverless is part of this. But mm. some of the other providers, I'm not sure. They, I think there are, pe- there are providers decoupling compute from storage that you probably wouldn't class as serverless. Okay, I'm lost in this new beautiful world. I'm an old schooler and I have my skepticism, but I also try to keep my mind open. So I'm trying to understand uh, what's the hype about and what is it? Why do we need it? And so on. So where should we start? Great. Let me, can I read out the question we got? Because I think yeah, that frames it quite, quite, in quite practical terms. Uh, so, so what do you guys think about all these products that take Postgres and transform it to something that decouples compute from storage? For example, RDS Aurora, Google Cloud AlloyDB, Neon, etc. And then the follow-up to that was, do you see something like this landing upstream in the medium term? To Postgres itself. Yeah, exactly. I'm not 100% sure what they mean by the, what, like how that would exist, but I think they're quite interesting questions, and they've basically asked for our opinions, I think, on those providers and anything else we'd class in a similar category. I think that's, like, we've each had customers on at least one of those. I know AuroraDB's the oldest, so that's the one I've seen in the wild. But yeah, I've definitely read the marketing materials of the others and seen people playing around with them, seen some people excited by various aspects of some of them. So I think there are some compelling, at least marketing arguments, and it's an interesting future ahead. And then there's also the question of which parts of this, if any, could be upstreamed. For example, I know the Neon folks are working to make Neon as little of a fork as possible, you know, trying to get some of the code upstream so that what they do is less custom. Same as AureolaDB. Right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's how, that's how I interpreted this question. So yeah, how does that sound? Yeah, that sounds great, but let's discuss like what is it. So let's talk about what some of these providers offer, or at least claim. And okay. there's, a, there's a few things that I'm not sure about all of them, but the the things I keep seeing come up are around performance, are around scalability, and they're around things that aren't necessarily always that easy to do in Postgres. Like, for example, major version upgrades. So things that you can do potentially without the same consequences uh, or the mm-hmm. same downsides. So, yeah, again, I'm not, I've seen some good arguments that maybe the performance claims are slightly overstated by some of these providers, potentially not even the case once things are tuned differently. Um, there's a really good blog post, for example, by the team at MigOps that I found interesting, comparing Aurora. Let's discuss, like, yeah, what is separation? So if I keep PG data on EC2, on EBS volume, which is network attached uh, cloud disk, mm-hmm. and have EC2 instance, I can 
upgrade this to instance just uh, very quickly. Well, not maybe very quickly, but I can do it. If I uh, run containers on that EC2 instance, or maybe if I have a layer or something, and for example, I get metal, and I attach EBS volume, and on metal I have multiple, you know, I, I attach many volumes, and then I have using Firecracker like micro VMs, which uh, can be provisioned very quickly, and then I distribute load of my huge instance among these small smaller guys, I can change this micro VM very quickly. Is this separation? Why do I need to think about any Postgres changes at all? I have a network attached volume. Storage is already separated. What else? Like, why? Why? why do, like, what are we talking about? What kind of separation? This is the this is the question. What What your materials tell you? What do they tell you? What, what to be honest, they tell you? Yeah, a lot of them gloss over this quite quickly. So I'm not quite sure like what would count, and and maybe that would count by strict definition. Separation. But I think a lot of these providers, like let's say. Amazon with Aurora, Google Cloud with Spanner and AlloyDB. Those two, for example, have invested a lot in their cloud infrastructure and specifically storage. So they've got very good at replicating storage across regions with redundancy, with, with being able to you know put data close to users. Right. Um, and that part of what they've invested in is at the disk level, you know, that's the storage layer. Now, they've had interfaces to those things that aren't Postgres in the past, like Aurora, for example, started, well, I don't know if it started, but it definitely had MySQL compatibility before Postgres compatibility. So it's added Postgres compatibility later. So that for me is like a, is right. one way of looking at it. So they already had this this storage infrastructure that they had invested in, and they wanted to put a different interface on top so that they could support right. people's applications that already had. Right, but what I understand about this approach, they store my data directory in object storage, so S3, mm -hmm. right? And then we have we need to, but it's if you just attach, there are some there are some projects like that can. Uh, if you you take your S3 bucket and then you attach it as like it looks like a disk in your Linux, it's possible to do like with Fuse or something like it's possible, but it will be slow and bad and so on. Of course, in this case, if we want to, uh, to keep our data directory in S3 and we need to work with it with good performance, we need also to cache it. So mm -hmm. we need uh, to cache it in, on regular EBS volume and, and so on. And I, as I understand, this is what Aurora and Neon do. Like I'm maybe might be mistaken here, like architecture. Like we, I'm not an expert here at all. But let's discuss about features for users. Of course, definitely. Yeah. Like if like bottomless, serverless, auto scaling. What like, what kind of features we have? Branching as well, right? So we separated and Postgres. I, I remember Aurora claimed one of the biggest benefits they achieved is lack of the need to care about checkpoints. So checkpoints are fully detached from our compute node. They, they are done in background. We don't care about them. So we don't have penalty from checkpoints anymore. We still have vacuum, unfortunately, in Postgres, uh, Aurora Postgres, but we don't have checkpoints. And this is good in, in terms of if you have uh, uh, right heavy workloads, it's much better. So 
performance doesn't drops when checkpoint happens. Latency doesn't spike. Right? This is the benefit. What else? Well, interesting. I actually didn't see that in, in the, at least on the front page. So that's super interesting. But Aurora, well, it was yeah. the original presentation on all Postgres conferences from uh, Grant McAllister, engineer from Aurora, RDS team. And he explained it very well. Like I recommend it for even for those who don't use Aurora because he explains problems with checkpoints and full page writes and details and then how they solved. And not all technical details are clear there, but it's good for understanding of Postgres. This, these talks are good for understanding Postgres as well. And it was yeah. like five years ago or so. And uh, yeah, so they don't have checkpoints. They eliminated. They don't fully eliminate them because they need to replay false funds. So like they need to take care of checkpointing still, but it, it's as I understand. But it's happening fully behind the curtain. So our compute node doesn't see any overhead of checkpoints. Mm -hmm. I think by this moment, experienced engineers already understood that we are not experts in this <laughs> at all. Of course. But we are trying to understand this. Again, I'm, I'm quite skeptical. I see that it adds complexity a lot, this approach. We definitely can discuss further, and we will. But we have the question in the end. Do you see it will go to up, upstream, to Postgres? Let me explain my opinion right, right now. I think, yes, it, can, it has chances, but only after auto failover, pooler, and other such things, which are waiting to be included to Postgres engine itself. Because, for example, auto failover, it's all about uh, multiple node uh, clusters. So you have primary, you have replicas, and all auto failover is essential there. Postgres has improvements. For example, we discussed recently in libpq, uh, fresh improvements in Postgres 15, I keep forgetting, or 14 even, uh, this uh, load balance feature. When you connect, you can specify how to load balance. So th these features exist, but it's kind of like making socket better working for other tools. Like for Patroni, for Patroni, we, instead of including uh, whole feature into the engine, the engine can be adjusted. So this feature, which is implemented externally using additional tool, the engine can, can be adjusted to work better. Same as with backup tools, uh, there are improvements. If there is API for backups now and so on, maybe it means that PG Backrest and WallG will be in core in future somehow. Maybe not, still not clear to me. But what I'm trying to say, this separation might be seen as some adjustments, slight adjustments of things in Postgres, but I don't see how it can come as a whole thing into Postgres in nearest years. Uh, uh I think I understand. Are you saying you don't think it should be included before those things or you don't think it's yeah. possible it makes any sense before some, some of those things? Some adjustments can be made to separate storage from compute. For example, we know that EBS volume can be attached to multiple VMs if you use special file system, some Amazon file system. In this case, you can attach EBS volume to multiple EC2 instances. And this is this thing feels already less separation. You can have I think they have snapshots. I'm not sure about full-fledged branching and so on. 
Yeah, maybe if you have snapshot and you create a new EBS volume, you you already pay for two EBS volumes, and this is not as Aurora or Neon have. They have ability to have thin clone, and uh, you don't pay. It doesn't in increase the storage bill twice when you do it. In this case, probably it does. I mean, in the case of this Elastic file system, Amazon, I don't remember mm -hmm. this this file system which supports attaching. EBS volume to multiple instances. So uh, money is very important aspect here, for sure. But how yeah. come Postgres can support any of these things? I, I don't see in the nearest years, I don't see it at all. The only way I see it happening, they even said in the medium term. So I, I guess it depends what you mean by that. The only way I see it happening is if some of these providers, like your Neons, get a lot of support for contributing what they want to do, maybe as hooks or maybe maybe making things extensible rather than it being in core. So it might be, I don't know if that's the same thing kind of in practice, but that's the only way I could see some things happening. I can't see the current Postgres core devs prioritizing this as a feature, partly, as you said, because there's so many other things competing for attention. And actually, it's not that many people in the grand scheme of things contributing to core. It's, they've got relatively limited bandwidth and lots of good, important things to be working on already. Right. So this this answers the last question. But let's talk about again. Let's let's talk about this. So what do we think about those products? I can tell you what some of my friends, fellow founders, other people, why they're picking Aurora, for example. I'm not sure it's always the wisest decision for smaller businesses, but they like the appeal of. Auto scale up without downtime, without a lot of operations. Is it really without overhead? downtime? Because yesterday well, I tried Neon and I, I wrote them. So, like, I had the PG Bench running on auto scaling Neon instance, and every time it scales, uh, I see errors. So, maybe it's not polished yet, but th this is hard, right? But I also I don't understand why we need to separate auto scale again. Like, if this is breaks my mind. Like again, like I am old schooler. What <laughs> if? What well, like it's it's funny, but uh, considering EBS volume and the instance and cloud, it's already old school approach, right? Like ten years ago, it was quite new thing compared to on premises setups. So I have a instance, I have a best volume, and I can quickly provision another instance. Imagine if I have PG Bouncer, all connections go through PG Bouncer. I have a suit instance. What if I issue pause to connections and quickly reattach my base volume to a new instance and then resume? And it has already more CPU and RAM. Yeah, but I think you're skipping over like having the operational confidence to do that and the experience to know that you you can even do that. But that's not typically how people are self-managing Postgres. And it's, it's not typically no, how... I'm trying to ask why do we need to uh, to cut Postgres guts? I mean to replace legs and so on. We, I mean to, it, it's there's a common saying like uh, Aurora Neon they replace the bottom half of Postgres storage related half they re yeah. re rewrite it. Why do we well, need to rewrite it? Good question. So there's a I think there's a few things. I think you mentioned cost and there's an interesting argument for, I think people see Aurora at least, I'm not, and, may, and Neon actually, this is one of their main selling points, there's a bit more pay as you go. So the cost increases slowly as you grow instead of if you're on, let's say RDS, you go up in, 
in jumps, right? You go from a smaller instance to a medium one to a larger one. Those are those aren't necessarily well. I can then see I, you shaking I, your head again. I can build a managed Postgres ser service. For example, Superbase might go this route. I don't know. We can run it on uh, larger uh, metal instances in, mm -hmm. in AWS, and then we can use Firecracker to provision micro VMs, and then we have fine control about how much we can run. We can even run single VM in multiple containers and uh, use quotas uh, for containers in terms of uh, CPU and RAM. Maybe even in so, Kubernetes. So you're right? you're saying these things are possible, but that's not what people are choosing between. They're choosing between Amazon RDS, regular Postgres, and Amazon Aurora Postgres. Right. And well, when you're looking at that, RDS users can choose. Right. Yeah. So this is the the choice in front of people that want a managed service. And I think you could argue. I think with with some merit that Aurora is even more managed, so they'll do even more even more things are possible for you, maybe with a few more limitations. Aurora is definitely uh, has Aurora has definitely has some good things that could mm -hmm. go to RDS as well. They could go to open source area, yeah. for example, yeah. um, plan management extension. Yeah. And, but obviously, AWS decided to keep it only for Aurora yeah. for competitive reasons. So if it's, yeah. this is clear to me. So, so is, this extension doesn't deal with Aurora special features. It, it deals with regular. Right. You know it very well, right? This I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, management. Right, right. This is a good thing, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I wish it was so, open source. But so no. for anybody that doesn't know, that's I think it's a feature that's come from enterprise databases like your oracles of this world and if you've ever, ever had a plan flip a query plan flip for example data's grown in size and it's flipped from quite an efficient plan to one that's no longer efficient because it thought well because that plan now has a lower cost basically aurora has a feature that allows you to avoid those flips with certain rules around how much lower the cost needs to be before you change from an approved plan that kind of thing so it's a very very interesting feature which doesn't require separation of computing storage at all, because it's only about the planner behavior. Yeah. But but my point is that people aren't choosing com separate computer storage, they're choosing the product. It's just because of decisions of uh, Amazon business guys, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Right, so let's, but, but let's say Neon, for example, I think that mm -hmm. is much more clear cut People are excited, I think, because you can start by paying zero. There's a free tier, and you can well, start by paying very little. First of all, I think Neon example shows how open source can get all benefits that non-open source guys like you, by the way, try to hide from us. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? The, the thought, Here we right? go. So, go on. So... I mean, Aurora is like, it's positioned like as a replacement, like it's for those who migrate from Oracle, this is alternative. And uh, we know Amazon itself migrated from Oracle to, as I understand, Aurora Postgres. And it's good, like great. And this is like serious Postgres position. But now Neon is making open source version of the same thing. And... My general thought, those managed services guys who, like RDS, first of all, they say, okay, we automate backups, UI, everything. Wait a few years, open source versions of it will be maybe even better. And we already saw 
like Stackdress, for example, good UI and so on. And it's open nature, so you can... We discussed it in previous episodes, self-managed. And what I'm trying to say, like, you can... If you don't go open, it's a mistake. Well, yeah, this is really interesting, like, as a commercial discussion. But I think there's also an interesting thing as a customer. If you choose Aurora Postgres, for example, and start relying on the query plan feature what are your options for migrating? You're, you're kind of stuck there until there right, is an open it's source feature, alternative. Just one of the features. And yeah, I, yeah. Like eventually, the community will have this feature as well. Somebody will implement uh, this plan manager in open fashion. I think and, you're and, right. I think you're 100% right. But And I think Oracle, for example, are losing market share to Postgres, but Oracle still makes so much money per yeah. year. It's not like they've, they're going to zero really quickly. So it's it's an interesting discussion. I think there's a lot of ethics and morality at play. Like there's there's a question of doing you can you can be open and have bad morals. You can be closed source and have good morals. I think we know where we both think Oracle are and where we think think some of these newer providers are. It's not fully clear yet for new providers because of yeah. they're super young yet. And for database exactly. like a couple of years is nothing. Yeah. And and I think it is a bit different if you're a platform versus if you are a like a GUI tool. So I've mentioned this to you previously, but mm-hmm. the the reason my tool's closed source is because I don't see another business model for it. I can't right. there's right. not much support for it and the UI is most of the value. It's not there's no service that adds a lot of value. It's it just it's just a UI. So if we made it open source, anyone could host it for free and there'd be no need That's to pay great. us ever. It will give uh it will give warranty that it won't die. For example, if you or new company or if my company is closed, uh, our tools, like if we don't open source them fully, it will be hard for people to continue using them. And uh, this applies to you. This applies to me as well. By the way, I promised last time I'm going fully open. Yeah. Everything will be open. I'm still thinking like, yes, we will do it. We just released 3.4 database lab engine, data, DB lab engine now it's called. And uh, 3.5 will be fully Apache 2.0, including everything we try to keep only for paid customers. No, we will have everything open. And I suggest Neon to, to think about this approach as well because they keep some pieces not open, you know. And this is a for sure strategic move and so on. So control plane automation not fully open and uh, I, I, this is a very difficult decision if you have a lot of money raised right yeah well even so, if you even if you don't have a lot of money raised if you, if your ambition is to build a business around it versus your ambition is to build you know if there, there were people in the past that have been right, in right. but there were people in the past that have built databases because it's academically interesting to them right. and if that's your goal making it as open source as possible makes a lot of sense but if your goal is to build a business it also makes sense to prioritize commercials like i do on like it's interesting to think uh, about in this, in this area I, I recommend listening michael stonebreaker's speech when he received turing reward right so yeah he compared riding a bicycle uh, uphill downhill and he has a lot of experience in both uh, purely academic True. products and like academic research projects and also building companies for profit companies so this is an interesting area 
But if you want your thing to live longer, you need to make it open. I think we moved away from the main topic. Very much so. Let let me quickly go through a few other things that I think people might want to read up on or watch. You did you did a good interview, I thought, with somebody from Neon. It was Stas Kelvich. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Postgres TV. I'll link that up in the show notes. And another one with somebody from Cloud Spanner about their Postgres compatibility. Partial support of Postgres syntax. Mm-hmm. Which is a, actually something I did want to cover here that a lot of these systems are Postgres compatible, which, which I mean, it makes sense, right? Because it's not, they've literally taken out the storage layer. You probably can't say any of them are Postgres. None of them are Postgres. <laughs> well, yeah. But if you read Neon's landing page, you'd be very forgiven for thinking it was, right? Like it says serverless yeah. Postgres. Everything's Postgres, Postgres, Postgres. So what I meant is, if you're if you're looking into these systems and considering using them, check what they mean by Postgres compatibility. Yeah. Will what you want to use work? Are the extensions you want to use available? Is the syntax you want to use available? What um, kind of which... weight events they provide? Because Aurora has their own uh, its own specific weight events. By the way, I still consider weight event documentation of RDS and Aurora RDS is the as the best. But have you seen for for Postgres 17 probably already, the dictionary of weight events will be provided as a system view, like select star from PG. Oh, great. PG weight events or something, and you see with explanation, a list of events with explanation. So it's good. Not only in documentation, but right in your Postgres. Good. Well, hopefully in the documentation too, but if not, great. Documentation has it, but it doesn't, it's not as uh, well explained as as RDS documentation. Oh, got it. Okay. It's it's, it's very like short, like this weight event and weight event type and just one sentence and that's it. Uh, uh, But RDS has a whole page with practical pieces of advice. Yeah, I remember now, and I remember not realizing that the first time I saw the page because I didn't realize you could click on each. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a UI issue, UX issue yeah. in uh, RDS docs. But I mean, it, if it has different weight events, it means for advanced users, it means uh, it's managing will be different, right? Slightly different. So it's yeah. already not Postgres; it's deviation. And this is what I mean by do your research, check that what you want. Like, right. Just don't assume that if you're using Postgres already or if you've used it in the past and you want to use certain features, don't assume they'll be available on these providers, check. And then the last thing I did want to bring up, which is in this area, was the feature timescale announced. So timescale, I'd argue, is Postgres. Bottomless. But, but yes, but they're on timescale cloud specifically, not, I mean, it kind of makes sense that it would only be available in the cloud option. They allow you to transparently, or sorry, without without changing how you query the data, move certain chunks, chunks. which is so well partitions. partitions, but they call them chunks, to object storage on S3. S3. Mm-hmm. And the arguments they give for it are reducing cost. So that's an interesting maybe that's like the the true root. Uh, argument is that he, here in I see theory potential. Yeah, here. Well, of course, if you first, first of all, if you S three is like virtually infinite, EBS volume is always limited. Even it's like I don't know. I don't remember last new limits sixty four terabytes or maybe already more than hundred. I, I I don't manage uh, databases more than a few dozens 
of terabytes. So I'm not that experienced. I don't have 100 terabyte Postgres. Uh, still bigger yet. than most, but yeah. I think it will happen in the next few years, actually, but not yet. So offloading data to S3 is very good. Actually, ZFS project had an issue in there, OpenZFS for Linux, they had an issue discussing this feature to transparently move data to S3, and they developed it. I mean, Delphix developed it, but they decided not to open source it yet, unfortunately. But I think this is exactly where there is some potential for Postgres maybe to support something, to move some partitions to object storage. This is an interesting idea. Or to offload them to different machines. You need to think about consistency checks here, right, and so on. Yeah. This is opportunity for Postgres itself to, to develop some universal solution which will work with various clouds and maybe even on-premise and will help you to have this bottomless feature. This is this is a good example because it it's doesn't require to redesign half of Postgres, mm -hmm. but it requires some redesign at least because if you moved it and then suddenly you, we know S3 uh, if you don't mark some checkboxes, it's uh, very reliable in terms of it doesn't lose data, but it's not very highly available as uh, ABS volumes, especially like regional and so on are. So you they might be not available and you will see like some corruption errors like I, uh, Postgres cannot read some partitions and so on and this should be handled properly properly if you move data to S3 because yeah I, I agree I just from struggling to understand how Postgres could like bear in mind that's quite, quite provider specific I just but see it's easier problem to solve and and beneficial for wider audience not only AWS users yeah yeah you you can install S3 as mini project. You can install it yourself. I mean, to build some data center and so on, cloud repatriants, right? So those who migrated back from clouds to like like we know like Basecamp, sure. right? Yep. So I'm not. By the way, I'm not sure they moved the S3 back. I think that might still knows, be. Like, but I think this wave is obviously starting to grow for mm -hmm. those who want to optimize budgets. And in this case, if you know you in Postgres, you can mark some old partitions to be stored out of your hot disk, which is limited and quite expensive and so on. Maybe even to disk. You not, yeah, not already now you can move partitions to colder disk if it's on the same server. It's all, all very old approach. Uh, and you can automate it probably and so on. This is some opportunity here. And you can achieve this bottomless feature. I want a petabyte a database, maybe. I don't want well, yeah. to use data. The, I mean, the, on timescale, you've got the double benefit of it supporting compression as well. But the no, I but it's a different story. Just, yeah, but just for completeness, I I guess the, the main trade-off then is read performance. So you've you've moved it to, uh, to S3 for cheaper storage, but if you do read it in future, presumably your your queries are going to be quite a lot slower. Of course, right. It's it's quite mm -hmm. a lot of slower. And in case of again, if to remember ZFS, if this feature someday lands into ZFS, uh, ZFS has different types of cache. One is regular ARC ARC. It's like f file cache locally on machine. But there is also ARC two ARC two which allows you to, for example, HIP Analytics, they had a very good article like five years ago or so. So they wanted very good performance. 
they wanted to use uh, local ephemeral NVMe disks. I think it was time when EBS volumes were not NVMe based, not Nitro architecture. Now they are. But that time, and actually, local disks will be always faster, definitely. But they are ephemeral. If you restart, you may lose data. So what they did, they used EBS, large EBS volume, slower but large and reliable. So they, if restart happens, you don't lose data. And using ZFS Arc 2, they put cache on local ephemeral NVMe disks. Smaller, very fast, and also ephemeral, meaning that you can lose them, but you can rebuild this cache transparently. Automatically, ZFS will do it for you. And this also sounds for me like separation of cloud and compute. <laughs> Imagine if this happens, with, like if ZFS will start working in the same way with object storage like S3, infinite storage in S3, and local caches using Arc2. Very good feature. And you don't need to rebuild Postgres to, you to benefit from it. Because Postgres relies on underlying file cache as well, so like it's working upper on upper level, very interesting. So let's maybe try to wrap it up. And yeah. what are the main benefits for users which this separation claims to provide? First is like serverless, so faster change of auto is serverless auto scaling or no? So. Oh, yeah. I struggle with definitions, to be honest with you. My understanding is there's a couple of features of serverless that people love. One is scale to zero. So you, if you're not using it, you pay nothing. This, and another this, is, is, this, is, this doesn't require to ch any changes. You just need the proxy, like maybe smarter PG bouncer, which will start your node. And you need probably Firecracker to start node faster. So... That's it. Why? I don't. I don't mean serverless Postgres, by the way. I meant serverless anything. That's my understanding. Right. And then, but scale to zero doesn't require separation. I mean, EBS no. volume already separated okay. again. Like I don't understand. Sorry. Like I don't understand scale to zero part. Re regardless, I think it's clear. If we want to go into any more detail in any of these, we're going to need to invite somebody else on to talk to or mm -hmm. learn a lot more about it ourselves. Um, I hope that's answered the question for the person who requested this somewhat. That's that's what we know. And and I also think if you're a general user of Postgres and you don't have any problems, you don't need to worry about any of this. Like there's I don't yeah. see any reasons why we can't work on like regular Postgres. Like, the reason we don't know that much about this so, is because well, most people aren't most people don't need this. Let's list all the things. So this scale mm -hmm. to zero. Good. Understood. I, I, I'm not convinced uh, we need to rebuild half of Postgres. I think it's achievable with regular Postgres. It's just a matter of how fast you can shut shut down. Is not important, but how fast you can start uh, your compute part, and that's mm -hmm. it. This is the main part. Postgres does need changes. I maybe I'm missing something. Again, like my skepticism is not final. Like I, I keep mind open. I yeah, try to same. understand. Second is this bottomless feature we just discussed, right? So yeah. like limits are much higher. You are not limited by single EBS volume anymore because you use S3. Like a lot of stuff there. Good. And again, I just described maybe there are chances to achieve this as time scale did actually uh, already. You, with, you don't need to, uh, again, to rewrite a lot of Postgres. Maybe we will have it for more cases, but it's a good feature, I think. Sec uh, third is probably database branching, which both, 
well, neon has branching, Aurora has, they have only thin cloning. Because what what is different difference is simple. Thin cloning plus ability to commit or like to make a snapshot and then to cl claim now you can start new clones from from that point. This is already branching. And, Av and Aurora they they has only thin cloning as I understand. Uh, Neon has full-fledged branching API, not really close to Git, but very like full-fledged. So my big concern about their implementation that they provide budget benefits only for storage part. So if I run 10 clones, I pay for 10 compute, compute instances. And this means that they close doors for good CI testing, both products. I want same bill. I mean, we discussed it. I want same bill for my CI/CD pipelines. If I run many of them, I don't want to have big O of n bill, where n is number of pipelines. I, I want big O of one constant price, and this is what we achieve with ZFS with DB, with DBLab. So, so again, like maybe, and we don't re replace Postgres. Postgres is the same. We just replace file system. I think if you want a constant bill, serverless is not for you. I think that's fair to say. Right, but what sounds appealing is scale to zero, and I'm exploring this uh, to add this to database lab. I see how to do it, so we we probably will do it because if somebody is not working, especially for physical uh, approach, I just learned that unlike VolG, PGB Crest has incremental delta restore, so you can sleep for many days, then wake up and restore physically only delta of physical pitch data changes. This is great. So you don't need to replay walls. It's very slow. If you accumulate three days of walls, replay will take some time for heavy loaded system. If we talk about to apply Delta physical backup, that's great. So, so I mean, we, we can achieve very good behavior here. Of course, new characteristics are very good, but again, system is quite new. So, and maybe fourth and final one, auto-scaling, auto to both directions, not to just zero, but between like. By the way, do you know why Neon compute units are limited by seven only? No, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Seven doesn't seem big enough for me. <laughs> I think they've started, I think with new systems, it's really sensible to start aimed at startups because if you, like the, the difficulty with databases, is a lot of people choose it based on reliability. Based on, you know, if, if we're talking about the storage layer of Postgres, that's arguably its best feature. You know, we, we choose our database because we want it to be reliable and battle tested. Yeah. And it's got decades of track record there. So if you're a new system with a different uh, underlying storage mechanism, you're probably best off aiming your service at people who can take a bit of a risk because they've got nothing to lose. They're, they're a new startup. They, they are enticed by oh, it's going to be free at first, or it's going to be really cheap as we scale. So I think it's a really smart strategy to go s small first. I think Superbase have, have done the same. But as they get more serious, as those startups grow, they can move, they can gradually appeal to larger companies. I think makes it makes sense. sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But equally, I don't know, seven's an odd number, right? Like what is... I would have expected it to be a multiple too. I have no idea. They're very smart people running it. So I imagine there's a very good reason. I have no idea. 
Okay, but I want to ask about this autoscaling, uh, you as a specialist in uh, query planning. <laughs> what happens if, f- first of all, I, I hope they will fix it. I th- I'm sure they will fix it. I never tried it for Aurora uh, uh, serverless. When autoscale happens, my PG bench shouldn't be disconnected, shouldn't experience errors. And the same f- with my application, right? So it should be seamless. Yeah. I think th- this can be achieved and that's great. I, I mean, consider this is solved. But uh, I wonder what's happening with Query Planner and the, uh, its settings, because if we jump from one, uh, for example, w- from one CPU and some RAM to much bigger instance, Planner settings should be adjusted. We have bigger cache, right? But like, this I don't understand, right? I think Neon is special and I'm sure they think about it. I just don't understand how I can manage my performance settings, uh, database configuration, when it's quite unpredictable in terms of how big instance is at any given point of time. What do you think about this problem? Yeah, I guess it's stored alongside the, I guess it knows when you're connecting to it, like what it has available and therefore what its settings are. I have no idea if they control that for you or if it's if it's configurable on a like can you set various limits as to what can you set your let's say work mem uh, can mm. you say when I, when i'm when i'm down when i'm provisioned to a small instance set it to this and when i'm on a medium instance set it to that a uh, high number and set it, when i'm in a large mm. can i set it to an even higher number my guess is they haven't got to it yet but i actually have no idea i would like to have more control and predictability than the un- unpredictable changes and I actually know what maybe Aurora implemented this plan management feature exactly because with auto scaling and serverless approach, uh, we need to freeze plans. Maybe who knows? Oh, we're guessing. I have no idea. Yeah. But if you know, if you've been involved in that, that'd be really interesting to hear from you. Yeah. You, you mean me or listeners? Uh, anybody listening? <laughs> I'm joking. So maybe it's time to wrap up. I think we just started this discussion. It's very interesting. I'm far from understanding it fully. So I appreciate if people share their thoughts and we can continue another time. But it's very interesting. I'm just an old schooler and I, I rely on things. I know how they work, though I don't know how they work fully always. So, yeah, I mean, Postgres itself, it's still, it's so huge system, you never know how it works fully, but I do my best. So, yeah, please share this episode with others as usual, and we need support as usual to subscribe in YouTube on all podcast platforms, and the likes, comments, we appreciate everything. It helps us grow and see also signals that it's interesting to continue. Nice one. And thanks for the suggestion. We've had a few more suggestions as well, so we appreciate those coming in. Thank you. Nice one. Thank you, Nikolai. Take care. Bye. Bye.